Katerina had weighed her options carefully, but in the end she had decided to both bribe the security guards, which had turned out to be surprisingly easy, and disguise herself as a violinist. She had spent the two previous nights observing the orchestra, how they dressed, how they interacted, and how they carried their equipment, and when it had become time she had snuck inside with honestly laughable ease. Getting to the rafters was an even easier feat, and once she was there she saw the familiar hunched over short man leaning against the railing, looking down at the stage below from the catwalk. Ah, little light, he muttered as she approached. I saw you in the audience yesterday. I saw you sleeping. These shows, they do not interest you? I was never a big fan of Wagner, Katerina spoke back, much more hushed. You know this, Anthony. So bombastic, slow and boring. Indeed. Anthony chuckled as he lit a cigarette, giving another to the young woman and offering her a light. I have made sure the fire alarms will not go off. Fret not. Now where were we? he muttered, rubbing the bridge of his nose. She knew exactly where he had been, and even more, she knew that he knew, but she offered, Our greatest sin? Of course. He sighed and closed his eyes. You will feel this too. In fact, you probably feel it, even if you do not have a name or a word for it. Certainly, there was a conviction in our people when they set out to root out the evils they perceived in the new world, but there was even more to that. Of course there was. The pharaoh of this new world were equally, if not more, to blame for what was allowed to transpire amongst the humans. They permitted this rot to fester, they did nothing about it, and the Balam, the werecats, were at the heart of it. They, and the spiders, the Ananasi, even promoted this sort of bloodshed and human sacrifice, for whatever purposes they thought were right. The Mokole and the Nuisha did nothing to stop it, and the Uktena, one of the native tribes of Garu of this new world, in our eyes, seemed equally guilty due to their inability to deal with the matter. Of course, the truth was more complex than that, but we Garu, we like simple truths. And for us, at the time, it was clear that they had failed in their mission, and so the Second War of Rage began. None of our foes put up much of a fight during this time, the Balam perhaps the most, but most of them rolled over and showed their bellies only for us to tear them out. The Nuisha and the Ananasi snuck away, cowardly avoiding most responsibility, but the Mokole were crushed completely. Perhaps a bit too easily. We do not know why, even to this day. Yet the worst, perhaps, is what we did to the Kamazots. Gaia's voice. The werebats spoke with our mother, often and about many things. But when they asked what to do about us, Mother Gaia remained silent. The Kamazots had not risen up against the Balam, for they were not warriors, and they did not want to threaten the stability that existed. After all, going up against the bloodthirsty werecats would mean war, and they did not want that. And even as we came, with our war, they did nothing. They offered no resistance, and thus we slaughtered them. This is our greatest shame, little light. Not Vlad the Impaler, not our loyalty to the Silverfangs, despite their growing insanity, but the extinction of Gaia's voice. When the last of them was slain by our hands, the full impact of what had been done came to us, and we wept in regret. I am not sure if Mother has forgiven us for it yet, but I would not want it even if she had. It is a burden we must always bear and remember. The human history that followed remained as bloody as always, if not more so. 
colonization, revolutions, wars, wars, and even more wars. Eventually the Russian Tsars were overthrown and we and the Silver Fangs tried our hands at getting involved in the USSR. To mixed success. The leeches had other plans, the so-called Bruja in particular, and thus we found ourselves constantly involved in a second smaller cold war with them. But then the Union fell, and as it did, something much much worse came out. Baba Yaga. Yes, child, that Baba Yaga awoke. She was an ancient leech and an incredibly powerful servant of the Wyrm. And for many, many years, we were forced into a constant war against her and her monstrous minions. Until finally one night she simply disappeared. We do not know why or how, but as she did, her control over Russia perished. Just like that. As did what hold she had over the creatures who had flocked to her banner. That being said, Russia is still very dangerous for our kind child. I would not recommend you to go travel through it without an experienced guide, or that you'd rather use moon bridges if you need to, but at least the witch is gone. And I fought in that war too, although I was barely an adult at the time, and you have seen the scar on my belly, yes? One day I might tell you the story of it. It is, after all, how your mother and... He frowned, then cleared his throat. <clears throat> Regardless, Baba Yaga is gone, but obviously our war against the worm is far from over. In fact, it merely continues to escalate. You should familiarize yourself with Pentex, child, for surely you will at some point or another run into them and their subsidiaries. They are servants of the Wyrm all and are to be destroyed on sight. There is a reason I bring up Pentex, Katarina, and it is the Amazon. We never stopped to consider just how valuable these ancient rainforests were to Gaia, and once we finally did, we found out much to our dismay that our enemy Pentex had as well and they were already well on their way to raising it to the ground. Initially we were at a massive disadvantage. We lacked any knowledge of the territory, and while there were some rainforests in Russia, they still differed vastly from what we had found in South America. Our young and old died in great numbers fighting the Wyrm and its servants, and we had to learn the hard way that old scars never heal. The local Fera, the Balam in particular, had not forgotten what we had taken from them, and they had no interest in receiving our help, or, more accurately, helping us as we fumbled around in the jungles. Eventually we got ourselves a leader, a ghetto Fenris by the name of Golgolfangs first, who whipped us into shape and made us a formidable fighting force once more. And while initially he had no interest in the other Fera, except if he could get rid of them or trick them into attacking Pentex, over time even that old dog learned a new trick. Our relationship with the Balam and Mokole isn't great, mind you, but it's much, much better than it was. Further north, in Mexico, our kind are battling it out with the Zabat, a faction of leeches who, I've been told, are more evil than the other vampires. I don't know much about that, but I do know that they stink of the worm. And I heard a while back about a young Garou of Mexico who was born with a strong connection to his ancestor Dark Claws of Vengeance, the very Garou responsible for the extermination of the Kamazots. After waging a long drawn out conflict with the Sabbat, this Garou, Guterres, eventually ended up bringing his entire pack into the Malfeas. That is, the home realm of the Wyrm in the Umbra. And they are supposed to have spoken with Bat, the incarnate self, and somehow made it out alive and untainted. 
Perhaps it is wishful thinking on my part, but if this pack, whom I have been told are as pure as can be, manage to get through to an incarna utterly corrupted by the hatred and thirst for revenge that the Wilm gave it, then perhaps there is hope for us yet. Katarina, I am sure you do not remember him, but when you were but a small child, a man named Yuri Kunietsko came to visit us in your family home. He is also known as the Margrave, and he is quite possibly the most important Shadow Lord of our time. He is old now, the grey in his fur is now as white as a silver fangs, but still he has guided us well. He saw the chaos that would erupt with the fall of the Soviet Union, and he led our people into conflict against the leeches who sought to destroy us in the 90s. He is an enemy of the Silver Fangs, for they are jealous of his success and his frankness, but they have proven themselves incapable in achieving even a fraction of the success that he has led us to, so in this regard I would pay them no heed, let them stew in their pettiness. I spoke to you earlier about how we do not rule like the Silver Fangs do. We are not great orators, we are not by our nature charismatic or objects of worship or inspiration. We Shadow Lords dominate, and in turn are dominated. This is a poisonous word to many ears, and for a good reason. In the times we live in, for humans, democracy seems, usually, the best method. Or, alternatively, the least worst. Progress may be slowed, somewhat, but at least in theory, everyone has a say. It is a naive idea, and I personally do not believe in it, but I find it uh, beautiful in its innocence. And among the wolves, dominance is equally not an embraced concept. There is a hierarchy amongst the wolves, of course, but it is oldest above younger, parents above children, older siblings over younger. Wolf packs are families, after all, and the elders rule through experience and wisdom. But among the Garou, amongst the Shadow Lords, we know that only through unity of mind and purpose can we counter the forces of the worm. When we are told to kill, we must not ask why. The time for reflection is later. We must trust in our elders, as they trusted in theirs. We may be led wrong. History will show us if we were. But if we question the motives of their words, we may find ourselves once more falling to infighting and betrayal. Likewise, if we are told that we must die, then we must be ready to make that sacrifice. We could never ask something of another that we ourselves would not be willing to do. It is simple. Let the Silver Fangs rule as a symbol and an ideal. We are an army, an efficient body that knows well enough that each moment of doubt can cost us the entire war. Anthony crushed out the cigarette beneath his heel and sighed, running his hands through the scraggly beard that he had been growing. When they had met in Los Angeles in what seemed almost a lifetime ago, he had been clean-shaven. Is this all? Katerina asked finally, a furrow of irritation between her eyebrows. Not even close. Then why did you stop here? She had more questions swimming around in her mind than she could possibly ask this night alone. What of the conflicts in the Balkans? What of Konietzko? Was he still alive? What about the Amazon Wars? Antony looked at her and gave a little shrug. I don't know what else to tell you, little flame. I fear that each word I have uttered will hold some importance to you that they do not deserve, and that I may have set your mind to things you should not do. Antony, she crossed her arms, suddenly seeing the shorter man in a newer light. It was almost like looking in a mirror. When have I ever done what you've told me to do? 
He smiled and then laughed. <laughs> you are right. Perhaps my fear is that I have grown old and complacent, and that I am ashamed of the world I am leaving in your care. Katerina, it is time you meet others of your kind. Everything you will need to learn, everything that matters, it is better you pick it up from your peers. She smiled and nodded, and together they crossed the catwalk, disappearing into the shadows. The four grandchildren of Cain wait patiently for the time of judgment to arise. Snow, wise beyond his years and powerful in his compassion. Bambi Parsons, a leader with an unbreakable will. Prozion, who has been reborn as a god amongst Cain's angels. And Dugal, whose thirst for blood is matched only by his strength of will. Their childer, the Methuselah, control our every move through their timeless jihad. They are her satanic majesty Danny, whose mere presence chills the heart, Maximilian S. Hardcastle, a tutor and master of the jihad, Socrates Johnson, a masterful craftsman of stories, Lorne Eason, a trustworthy ally and friend, and Alexander Kanehurst, ever inquisitive explorer of the world of darkness. On the council of the primogen are seated Edward Reed, Colin Gifford, Zero Six, Ian Nichols, the Black Friar, Ravenfang, Pilgrim, Geta Mathrox, the Autumn Alchemist, Michelle Light, Brandon Hunter Hayden, and Dark Red Roses. Wise leaders and of good judgment. This week the council would wish to thank the elder Lustful Man 75 for his continued loyalty and service to our cause, as well as the ancillary Victor Quirot who has remained a staunch supporter through times of peace and times of trouble. Naturally, all our elders, ancillae, and neonates receive our gratitude from the bottoms of our hearts. Without your support, this would not be possible. And thank you for listening. The full moon rises, and Gaia's warriors strike out into the night. Tremble, servants of the worm. <laughs>